0: Our scripture lesson this morning is from Psalm 139, and my thought to you as I read these words, it's a piece of that psalm, my thought to you is that as you hear the words that I share with you, may you receive them in a, may you think about how they intersect with your own life and where you are in it. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's so high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me fast. This is the word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. Gracious and loving God, we often live splintered lives, distant, disconnected. Help us to hear the words of the psalmist. May they fall upon us like a fresh new season in our life. Be present with us as we share in the thoughts that come from them, in the message that you give us today in Christ's name. Amen. (coughs) So we're in this series on we're looking and in the series we're looking at different some of the realities of suburban life and how those realities affect us all whether we feel like we live in the suburbs or not and and in that midst of that what we might learn in terms of our faith and how to live the Christian life today's focus is the reality of commuting commuting None of us know anything about that. The author of the book I'm looking at, The Suburban Christian, that I've used for this series, Albert Sue, writes about his own scenario and experience in the season of life in the suburbs. He, he says this. He says, my wife and I, my family, live in the suburbs. We always have. And she and I both work for the same company. And it's not all that far away from where we live. It's about a 15-minute commute one way, so 30 minutes round trip. And when we started out, we rode together in the same car to work and back again. So 30 minutes, great. Not big, no big deal at all, actually. Pretty nice. And then something funny happened. We had children, a baby boy, and we love him. But of course with that along comes a schedule change and how are we going to accommodate this wonderful new life in our family and we talked about it and discussed it and we talked to the people we work for at the company and it turns out that her job could have She could do a little bit less. It didn't quite need all the time she was giving to it. So she dropped down to 20 hours a week, and my job would allow me to do some work at home in the afternoons and all. So we traded places back and forth each day. I would go into work, and then at lunch I would come home, and she'd jump in the car. I'd almost leave it running, and she'd just hop right in and go to work and come back again that evening. Not all that bad, but our commute time had now doubled Loss went up, but at least we didn't need child care and someone could always be home with our boy and we would get some time. That lasted for about a year and a half, as I recall, and then her job needed her to give more to it. She loves her work, as do I, and so that was a priority. So she increased her hours, and my job needed me to be in the office all day, so and now we needed to find a sitter. And we found one, a wonderful person who lived... 10 miles in the wrong direction. So now I'm going to work in the mornings, and at lunchtime my wife hops in the car or just before lunch and rushes out twenty minutes out beyond in the wrong way, away from work to drop our son off at the sitter, and then turns right back around and drives now forty minutes to work to be there in the afternoon. And in the evenings I come home for work, and what's now an hour commute in rush hour traffic to the sitter's house to pick up our son, turn around and come back home where my wife meets us at some point in the evening, if the day is ideal. What started off as a 30-minute commute now has become two and a half hours. Our time had quintupled. I found myself, he reflects, sitting in rush hour traffic Asking the question, is this the way it's supposed to be? I wonder what God has to say about this stuff, if God even cares about that stuff at all. Isn't there a better way? Interestingly enough, I listen to that schedule and I say, well, that actually sounds pretty simple. Compared to what I know many of you who have young children particularly are in that season. And the schedules, the complexity of your schedules is mind-boggling. I will admit Google Calendar has saved my marriage. How you do it is beyond understanding. Why do you do it? Do you feel trapped by it? Years ago, Henry Ford was quoted as saying this. He said, the city is doomed. We're going to solve the problem of the city by leaving the city. And he was right particularly about one thing, and that's that we've left the city. As we said last week, over half of Americans now live in the suburbs. Now there's, of course, re-energizing of the city, but that holds true still. Over half of us live in the suburbs, and our commute has become an average of somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour and a half, as studies have shown. Each way, that's up to three hours possible, of sitting in the car going to and from work. That's insane when you think about it. It's crazy. It's nuts. Why would we do that? And yet we do. It's just the normal. We don't even even think about it. One suburbanite of Chicago was quoted as saying, I really don't care how far I have to drive. I love my house. And yet, the irony, of course, is the more time you spend in between places, the less time you have to enjoy the house you think you love. A commuter culture. And it doesn't matter if you commute to work or not, if you work at home or not. You still commute. You commute to a different suburb to shop, back to multiple places, right? You commute to worship. You commute, whether you do it for work or not. Last year, my wife and I bought a new oven because our old one was giving us fits and it was time and all of that. Guess where we bought the new oven? You know. You could, in three guesses, you could get it. Nebraska Mart. Yeah, I see some people, yep, oh, yeah. That, think about, that is Crazy. How many stores did we pass that could have sold us the same thing? But no, we felt called to the mothership, (laughs) right? And we wanted to see the spectacle of it. And there it is. It is. You've never been, you know. Maybe it's worth one shot. But it's. But it just to say that that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And yet, somehow it does. Why? Because we have a commuter mindset. No one in this room is immune to this. It affects us all. It's like original sin. It's just there. And the harsh truth about it all is that we're scattered because of it we live our lives in pieces a little bit here a little bit here a little bit here and you know what deep down you know this even though we're hesitant to admit it if your life is scattered out here guess what it's also probably scattered in here right French philosopher Simone Weil once suggested that to be rooted is the most important and least recognized need of the human soul, to be rooted. How do we become rooted in a scattered commuter-minded world? How do we do it? In his book, Bowling Alone, Sociologist Robert Putnam made the argument that there's a direct correlation between commuting and community. In the book, he pulls out research that strongly shows, as he puts it, that every 10 additional minutes you add to your commute results in 10% less that you can give to your community. Basically, the longer the commute, the less the community It's a direct correlation. So the more we live in place after place after place after place, the less we are able to interact in those places. And as a result, the more fearful we become of one another, and the less likely we are willing to help one another. We find all kinds of things to blame our problems on, and they are real problems like race and religion, but I find them to be symptoms of the fundamental problem, which is basically this, we have never met. We've never met. Two weeks ago... I was on my way to Main Event in Plano on Central Expressway, you know, to pick up our youngest daughter from uh, a party, a birthday party. And on the way, my wife calls me and says, I just got a call from the party people that said, it's going to take, the party's going longer than they expected, and they've got some more to do, so you've got some time, you can go and sit there if you want, but if you've got something to do, I just thought, you know, and I went, perfect, great, I can go fill up the car, right? I can go do this as me you on know, a commuter life your car's always empty cuz you never have time to fill it up so it's empty so great time i have time to go fill up the car i i get to accomplish more that's the commuter mindset what can i do to accomplish more in the time i have great this you know and that'll work out great i'll get to go fill up the car so i go up the front of road and t- about turn right on Spring Creek Parkway there right where that gas station is across the railroad tracks and everything and as i'm Coming down the frontage road, I see this minivan's got his hazard lights on, right? Clearly, a, and a family that seems to be in need. And there, you know the inner dialogue I'm getting ready to share. We've all, we all have it, right? Maybe Should I stop? Should I, you know, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't think that stuff just like you guys, right? <laughs> should I stop? Do they need help? Oh, they'll be fine. They're fine. Someone will stop. So I keep going. You know, I've got to get gas. That's my plan. Get gas. I don't have time. Gas. So as I'm filling up my car, a young man comes up to me and he says, I'm sorry to bug you, I hope. But I was wondering if you might be able to help us. My family's run out of gas on the side of the might you be able, we, we we're trying to get to McKinney and we don't have a whole lot of. and we just thought we could make it. We don't have any cash on We just have no way. We're meeting family up there and might you be able to help us out? I don't know if that was true or not. I don't care. It doesn't matter. That's the, what was presented. And so and I, what I say in my head, well this just ruins my whole plan. So we go in, we get a gas can, we fill it up, we walk over to the and give some gas, and it starts and everything, and I say, why don't you come to the gas station? I'll top your tank off, make sure you get it, and we'll get you going, and, and all of that. And as we're filling up their van, the, the dad of the family looks at me, of course, and shakes my hand and says, thank you, thank you. No one would stop. You're the only one we could, no one stopped. I know we're strangers and no one knows us, but we just were in a bind. We just caught, caught and we just needed a little, and no one stopped. Thank you. And, of course, I didn't have the nerve to say that I was one of the ones that passed by. I was convicted right there on the spot. We live in a commuter world with a commuter mindset that commutes right past each other Now it could be me but I just can't quite picture Jesus doing that I can't quite picture Jesus passing by someone in need with his hair blowing behind him because he's on his way rushing to the very next thing I just it just that just doesn't seem to work It also doesn't seem to work to picture Jesus sitting there in rush hour traffic beating a, his head against the steering wheel, although that one makes it a little easier to, to think of. But I don't, I don't quite think that works either. I tend to picture Jesus as someone who will risk community over the commute. I picture Jesus in the same way that the psalmist who wrote our psalm this morning pictures God in this psalm that Professor James Mays calls one of the most personal, personal expressions of God you can find in all of Scripture. This psalm where it lifts up this strong foundation that says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the dark places There you are. If I take to the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest reaches of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. I'd add one more to it. I'd say if I commute back and forth and here and there to the point that my brain and my soul are about to explode, even there your hand will hold me fast. want to be centered in a commuter-minded world, listen to this psalm. The beauty of this particular psalm is you can pull it apart all you want. You can pull out your scholarly tweezers and pick at it and pick at it and put every letter, every word under a microscope. You can parse Each piece of it, learn the Hebrew language till you're dead to where you're translating it without thinking. You can do all of that. You can put translation after translation next to each other and compare them till you're blue in the face. It doesn't change the thing that this psalm presents to us, and that is that here we are given the fundamental reality that we are not rooted in a place. But a person, a person, our lives are centered in the personhood of God who has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. The one who washes us in this water, speaks to us through this scripture, feeds us at this table who says to us, come, join me in the feast. At the beginning of this message, I said to you that if your life is scattered out here, then it's likely your life is scattered in here. Well, that's true, but the contrary is also true. If your life is centered and rooted in here, Your life will be centered out here. That's why our lives are rooted in a person. The one who sits at this table and says, come and learn from me, seek me, follow me, for where you go, I will be also. My challenge to you this week, my friends, is to change your thinking. Set aside your scattered, fragmented life And seek a person, learn from a person, follow a person. The one who sacrificed his own life so that our lives might be rooted in his. Christ our Lord. Amen.